really is a beauty to this, this staring into the unknown that I'm talking about, because I find after, after initial insights and after we start to sort of acclimatize to the process, there's still a lot of texture, can be in very intense emotions, confusion can still happen, of course, and doubt and so forth. A lot of that comes up. But what I find is more and more, I think what people trust is just staring directly into the unknown. The more frequently that you do it, it's a, it feels like a stopping as well. Stopping the business of becoming and sorting it out and figuring things out. Um, and the, the, the practice, whatever your practice is or whatever your approach is, start, they start to coalesce into the same sort of experience, which is really just staring into the unknown, facing the unknown, r realizing the unknown, acknowledging the unknown, living the unknown, living the unknown. Um, it gets very simple. It's, a, it's an approach that doesn't fail. It can take a bit of time in the relative. What happens though is, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fail, but we can convince ourselves it has not worked for us or something when we grasp onto the known, when we grasp onto the, to what we do know, what we are familiar with, even if it's uncomfortable. Um, so just stop doing that. Just stare into the unknown, face the unknown. Let it show you that it's okay. Let it show you that it can deliver the goods in a way you would never expect. It won't give you what you think you want because what you think you want is not what you really want. So yeah, just toe to toe, nose to nose with the unknown. This is kind of what it comes down to, I think. I mean, it's right in front of your face. It's in every sense field. And then um, at some point, it's so funny because you realize all you ever wanted, although it's not so much a want, it's just that all of the wanting was really just trying to get you to this um, in, a, in a misguided way. And what this is, is um, mere appearances, um, not connected to anything, not coming from somewhere or going somewhere, not on a timeline. Um, even the experience of space and time um, can only be extrapolated from those appearances. They're not intrinsic to the appearances. So moments of reality just appearing, for lack of a better way of saying it. And as one appears, there was nothing before it. So there, so there's a complete extinction of any previous appearance. Nothing is tethering you to a past. Um, and nothing is tethering you to a future. Um, so there's no one there called you that is a problem anymore. Um, so all there is left to do is what you've really always wanted to do and you've always been able to do. And at times you've done it for sure. The kids do it a lot. 
And that's just appreciate the depth of the richness of the appearance now, but not trying to make it into anything at all. Not trying to collect it, not trying to make it something for you, not trying to make it something at all, not trying to make it into something. Because if you try to make it into something, a perception, a, a paradigm, a anything, like collecting it like a trophy, um, the moment you try to do that, what you're really trying to do is construct a world to avoid it. You're trying to construct an inner world to avoid the, the, the beauty of this right here, which is absurd. There's no reason to avoid it, but that's the tendency. And then you see that, and then the tendency starts to erode. And then it's just a natural enjoyment of the, the expression of appearances now, non-dualistic textures. Um, they don't mean anything. They don't need to mean anything. They don't have a specific purpose or direction. They didn't come from somewhere and they're not going anywhere. All of that is a moot point. That's all analysis. So there's no analysis left. Um, just enjoyment. Or just a sort of dying into it again and again and again. There's something about it. There's a quality that I can't actually explain for some reason. Um, like a freshness to it. I think I can't explain it because language doesn't allow it to be explained. Because even if I talk about it, it sounds like I'm talking about something um, solid or something um, real. But this is so clear, so simple, and so essenceless that it doesn't hold any weight. And its weightlessness makes it sort of magical. And although there's nothing really comparing appearances, I might say, the complete um, lack of continuity between, say, two appearances that might appear, one after the other, so to speak, um, the complete lack of continuity um, is incredibly refreshing. That's like being born again and again and again in a way, or coming into being again and again and again in different worlds, in different textures, in different experiences, different frameworks. Um, so not being tethered, not being bound by a, um, a timeline, a temporospatial uh, construct, not being bound by that because there's nothing that could be bound by that is the ultimate gift. So everything is just erased again and again and again. <laughs> I don't know how this sounds. I don't know if this sounds good or bad, but it's it's rather um, enjoyable, I would say. It's natural, very natural, very light. It's hard to take anything too seriously. And the problem of birth and death is solved because um, birth and death are right here. And they're not really anything unless you give them some traction with the mind. But you can see where the mind's trying to construct something called birth and death or integration and disintegration. 
because it has to to create a, a world, to create an apparent world. It has to <clears throat> use the experiences of integration and disintegration as separate, but they're not separate. They're interpenetrated. So it's like, in a sense, nothing is real, but nothing is unreal. As soon as something's real, then, then you have this like duty and responsibility to, to care about it, to uphold it, but you're just freed from that. <clears throat> but it's also not unreal, so there's no need to avoid or hesitate <clears throat> or have a, an aversion anything. And things move, it's, it's very obvious how, how things move naturally. Um, meaning like the natural appearance, the natural state of appearances I'm talking about, it's very obvious like in animals, I, I find at least. I can't know what an animal is experiencing, you know, necessarily or can get into their nervous system, but the way like Cleo moves really looks synonymous with what I'm talking about. Very natural. Um, and the way humans move even to some degree, but humans are interesting because they, they tend to like, um, there's some, something that seems to try to mitigate that naturalness. And especially in communication, conversation, you'll see it. Um, but, but appearances themselves, the, the sounds and the movements, colors and all forms, um, They show you exactly what naturalness is all the time. So in that sort of in that component aspect, nothing is unnatural. It's not possible. It's not possible for anything to be out of place. And also nothing takes up place. Nothing takes up space. Nothing moves. Anything more to say, Cleo? She's out of stuff to say. <laughs>